It's Tuesday in the third week of Advent. Welcome to today's AdventCast. This is Father John Zulsdorf. Even though we have the somewhat somber Ember Days this week also, we are in the Gaudete week. We are rejoicing because the Lord is near. And this is, of course, the theme of last Sunday's beautiful Mass. And so I turn to Memento Mori, a companion on the last things by Sister Teresa Alethea Noble. In the scripture passage that sets the tone for this entire week, St. Paul calls the Philippians to rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. It seems an impossible command. Rejoice? Always? But Paul is not exhorting us to that hellish joy of a false enjoyment of licentious pleasure, or self-absorbed pride and selfishness. Rather, Paul speaks of a joy that's deeper than our human capacities and emotions. It's helpful to remember that Paul wrote this command to the church of Philippi from prison, knowing his death was likely around the corner. In the same letter in which Paul exhorts the people to rejoice always and to have no anxiety at all, he also admits that he had experienced anxiety because Epaphroditus, a man who was sent by the people of Philippi to visit Paul, had almost died of an illness. Paul writes that he had sent the recovered Epaphroditus back to Philippi so that he may have less anxiety. But then, mere lines later, Paul exhorts the people to have no anxiety at all. What could Paul possibly mean by telling the people not to be anxious when he himself had just admitted to feeling fear and anxiety? The same could be asked about his command to rejoice always. How can Paul tell people to rejoice always when it's obviously impossible on a human level? One brief glance at Paul's letters reveals that he clearly did not rejoice always. Surely he was not rejoicing when he wrote, O stupid Galatians! St. Paul knew from experience that we cannot ignore our natural human emotions that arise sometimes despite ourselves. To ignore or suppress our emotions would be to reject how God made us. But amid Paul's humanity, God was his strength in every circumstance. He knew that God's indwelling grace resided in his soul more deeply than passing emotions. The same is true for us. When we feel overwhelmed by sorrow or evil, we can nevertheless still hold on to joy and, in a sense, rejoice always because God is our joy. Through our baptism, we have access to this deep joy that comes from knowing that God has unlocked the gates of heaven and saved us from hell. From Meditations for Each Day by Cardinal Bacci. The more we know, writes St. Catherine of Siena, the more we love, and the more we love, the more we receive. Our merit, she concludes, increases in accordance with the measure of our love. We tend to judge men on the strength of their achievements and to judge ourselves according to the degree of success which we have attained. Our standards could hardly be more false. 
How much soever each one is in thy eyes, the author of the imitation of Christ cries out to God in the words of St. Francis, so much is he and no more. It is not success which counts with God, and still less human esteem. What matters with God is our intention of pleasing him and of working for his glory from the motive of pure love. If we are successful in our work, let us praise God. If we are unsuccessful, let us thank him just the same. Our merit is commensurate with our love of God. If we love him very much, we shall work hard and make sacrifices for his sake. We must work to satisfy God alone, however, and not for ourselves. If we work for any other purpose, all our labor is wasted. We sow abundantly and reap little or nothing. God alone matters. If we work only for him, we shall be blessed by him and shall reap the fruits of everlasting life. <laughs>